welcome to episode 78 of the J Bunny's Music Hub podcast. I'm your host, J Bunny. For this episode, I'm joined by my friend Andy Kalapitas. We've been friends for about 20 years and have been around the New Jersey music scene together. Andy was in a band for a time called Quarter Inch Fuse. I find out throughout the show about some other projects that he's done. I also talk about going to shows together and a lot of talk about drums because Andy's a drummer. I think this is a really, really fun episode and I think that you guys are going to enjoy it. So without further ado, here's Andy. All right, what's up, everybody? It is Jay Bunny. I am here at what we call the Bunny Hops Bar, which is just the bar between my living room and dining room. Joining me today on the show is long, long friend. Uh, I don't want to say old friend, although we were talking about how old we have gotten. <laughs> Andy Calipides, how's it going, Andy? What's up, man? I'm really, uh, I'm really thrilled to be here, man. I've been, I've been listening to this podcast for a long time. And, you know, before before you turned that recorder on, we were we were talking about how. You feel like, how does a guy like me get to go to a concert and be like, hey, I want to ask you some questions? And people are like, okay. And uh, what I'd said to you is, it's because you're nice to people. You, you don't come up, oh my God, Mr. <laughs> So-and-so, you're the best guitarist ever, you know. Can, uh, you know, can I take care of you? You're just like, hey man, uh, I like your stuff and I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I think that's, that's definitely to your credit. You're very approachable, and your content's really good. Well, I appreciate I really, that. I enjoy it. I uh, I think you ask really good questions, and you cultivate really good conversation, too. Oh, I appreciate that. Hopefully, that will continue. I will say, the only time I've ever met someone where it was like a little bit of a holy shit, and I don't know if I've ever told you this story, but I was in the city at a concert for the band Texas Hippie Coalition, mm-hmm. which I don't know if you're familiar. I know, yeah. And, then, and it was them and the band Eve to Adam. Pissed off about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was Texas <laughs> Hippie Coalition and Eve to Adam. And I'm standing in the crowd during Eve to Adam's set, and I turn around, and fucking Dan Florick, who played Captain Kragen on Law & Order, is in the crowd. I was oh, like, I would have freaked out about that. Dude. I was I like, what out. the fuck? And like, yeah. I found out after the fact that he was friends with Eve to Adam because he played a cop in one of their music videos. Oh, that's awesome. And he was still on Law & Order at the time, so they were in the city, he was in the city. Oh, my God. So he came out, and so I I went up to him, I said, listen, I don't normally do this, but no one is going to believe that I saw you here today. Can we get a picture together? And so, like, we took a picture, he's like, oh, we got to do this proper, he throws up the horns and everything. That's fucking awesome, (laughs) man. That's so cool. I love that guy. Loretta and I are, are huge Law & Order fans, like... From the beginning, yeah, yeah. So, oh, that's so cool to hear that he's he's not a jerk. Yeah, yeah. No, no, he was awesome. And I posted the picture, and then Casey wasn't with me. She's like, "I hate you right now." Uh, <laughs> that's so cool. I uh, I ran into Brett Scallions uh, oh, from Fuel from Fuel in Disney World. Oh wow! In like 2011, I was there with uh, my mom, my dad, and my two sisters. We we decided instead of getting each other Christmas presents, we'd all just pay our way okay. and go to go to Disney like two weeks before Christmas. Nice. And we're walking through Frontierland, and I was I, I was coming from uh, Frontierland and heading towards the Haunted Mansion. For all you Disney dorks, you know exactly where I'm talking. <laughs> and uh, I was with Noel, and I could like see across, and I was like, "Yo, that's Brett Scallions." I said to my sister, and she goes, from Fuel? <laughs> because even though she's eight years younger than me, I listen to a lot of Fuel. And yeah, yeah, yeah. she picked that up, and yeah, she's yeah. a big Breaking Benjamin fan. So, like, we're getting close, and I could see, you know, he's with a lady, and they're pushing a baby carriage and whatnot. And as he gets close, I was, like, real close. I just kind of leaned in, and I was like, 
hey man, I'm not going to blow up your spot, but I wanted you to know I'm a big fan of your music. Enjoy your vacation. He was like, oh, yo, <laughs> thanks a lot, man. And just walked out. Like, it was cool. I was nervous as hell, though. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't know why. Like, I'm not going to say, like, I like Fuel, but they're not like, oh, my God, my all-time favorite band ever. Yeah, yeah. But, like, it, I was just like, I can't believe. Uh, the same trip, I met Joe Rohde, who was the head of Disney Imagineering. Oh, wow. Yeah, he was just walking through Animal Kingdom. And I was, that one, I was like, hobbit, 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 like, that's Joe <laughs> Well, right, because you're a big Disney yeah, I, guy. Yeah, I'm a huge Disney nerd. I'm a big guy and a big nerd for Disney. <laughs> <laughs> so we were at the Ren Fair. We'll steer this back to music in a minute. Sorry. We were at the, no, but we were at the Ren Fair, you know, all season, and there was a couple of weeks back. I was standing with, with Casey and some friends, the spot that we normally hang out, and this girl that I've, you know, acquainted with from fair for years. I wouldn't call us friends, but, like, we know each other. We've talked. You know, we know who each other are and everything. And she's walking past, and I hadn't seen her at all this season. So I was like, oh, hey, how's it going? And she had, like, a group of people with her, and they stopped, and they talked to us for a couple of minutes. And as we're standing there, there's someone with them, and I'm, like, thinking I'm, I'm tr- trying to figure out who the fuck it is because it might just be some person that I've seen before. Right. As soon as they walked, or right before they walked away, it clicked. And just, like, I didn't make a scene, I didn't... As soon as they left, they said to everybody, I was like, that was Rosario Dawson just now. Yo, no way, bro. <laughs> and Casey was sitting on the ground and had her back to them the whole time, so she didn't even see her. That's She's like, awesome. I can't believe I was. she was right there and I missed her. Uh, this, this is the last one, I swear. <laughs> After I had my, my spinal surgery, I was following up with the surgeon in, uh, in Manhattan. And uh, the elevator door opens and in walks Martha Stewart. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, she looked absolute like she walked in and I turned white as a sheet. And she like she went, "Oh." <laughs> she had like a little smile like cuz she figured out I knew who she was and I was just like, "Good morning." You know, like I was trying not to be like, "Oh my god." And uh and before she got off, I was like, Miss Stewart, I just want to tell you, I think you are absolutely fantastic. She's like, oh, well, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. <laughs> I was like, ah! <laughs> All right, uh, back to music. So, well, so you and I, we met each other back in high school, and, and, and I remember that, like, I knew yeah. of you before I knew you because you were dating at the I, time a friend of mine. Yeah, I was dating a friend of yours, yeah. And, yep. uh, and you know, you lived, you lived in Vernon. Yep. I also lived in Vernon, but we had never crossed paths. And then I don't know if we met through like I knew you were dating her, but I don't know if we met through her or if we met through the coffee house. Actually, we met through the coffee house, the infamous coffee house. To uh, <laughs> to folks who remember it, that was the spot to hang out in Vernon, the Appalachian Coffee yeah, House. Yeah. Shout out to Marianne Santa Pietro for giving us a place that we could talk about. You know. Now that we're in our 40s, we're like, (laughs) when we were growing up in the 90s, bro, we had this awesome coffee house and all the cool kids hung out there and we were all weirdos. (laughs) Right? I mean, that pretty much covers it. Yeah, yeah. I had Zacher on the show. We talked about it a bit. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Zacher. (laughs) Fantastic musician. Yeah, yeah. We were talking about, I mean, all of his stuff, but, you know, I had recently, at the time, I had recently seen him with... uh, his band uh, now they're called Frankie Goes to Frankie Dollywood. Goes to Dollywood, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So we talked a lot about you know the coffee house and sort of the Sussex County scene and all of that. And 
And so this is the, so so you and I met back then. Mm-hmm. We hung out. We were talking before. We went to Ozfest together. The yes. first time I ever went to Starland, which I've been to probably hundreds of times since, was with me. Was with you. We saw yeah. Cradle of Filth. And yes, it was me and you and Casey and my in my big Cadillac. I had a uh, had a 1998 Cadillac Sedan Deville, and it was black with black leather and a black cloth top, <laughs> and it was like a, I'm I'm half I'm I'm half Sicilian. It was a real Guinea mobile, <laughs> except that you could hear heavy metal blasting out of it any time of day or night. And uh, yeah, we took the trip down. I remember there was traffic on the parkway, and I was freaking the fuck out. We were going to be late. Because it was um, bleeding through Arch Enemy Cradle of Filth. Right, and the band Himsa was supposed, supposed to play, to play but and they, they bailed. Yeah. And I was like, ah, whatever. I the other three were like three of my favorite bands. I've actually seen. I think all of those bands. I mean, obviously, I've seen them since, but I think I've seen them all at Starland since. Oh no shit! Uh, bleeding through being the most recent early. Yeah, I know they're just out on that on that tour. They're, yeah, like beginning of this year. They because God forbid reunited. Uh-huh. And they played with God Forbid at Starland back in January. That's awesome. Bleeding through. I had only seen him that one time when you and I went. And I was I was so floored. Yeah. It was just as good as I had hoped it would be. And, uh, I, I mean, This Is Love, This Is Murderous is just one of those. That's one of those albums, even at 42 years old, if you put on... Uh, um, what is it? Uh, Love lost in a hail of gunfire. Yeah, yeah. As soon as it opens up, I'm gonna kill people. <laughs> like, like, get out of the way. The old guy has gone completely batshit, and I am wrecking motherfuckers <laughs> in the pit if you're putting that shit on. It makes me want to run through walls. I don't know what it is, man. It just, uh, you know, I, I really like it. I don't play that style. But they're just, they're fantastic musicians. And I, and I don't, forgive me for not remembering the follow-up album, but they went uh, in a much more black metal direction. Mm-hmm. And um, I really liked that album, too, <laughs> <laughs> because it was like, it was them with a lot of, like, really awesome speed-picking runs and blast beats. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I was like, oh, oh, I like both of these <laughs> things. This is excellent. <laughs> so you mentioned playing... Uh, I wanted to ask you about that. So, you know, you, as long as I've known you, you've had your, your drums, you've yeah. been in a couple bands, you're in a band uh, currently. But so how did you start well, playing music? So um, I'm not in a band currently. Oh, shit. Okay. I was, but, you know, you know how that goes. Yeah, man. yeah, okay. It's music. I didn't know uh, that. Not well, that now you know, <laughs> and so does everybody else. So in eighth grade... I slept over Doug Kimball's house and we watched the Metallica live shit box set. So this would have been 1994. Okay. Um, that box set was still pretty new. We watched it on VHS. And I watched Lars kick the absolute shit out of this gigantic white and black double bass Tama kit for like four hours. <laughs> and uh, I was like, yeah, okay, um, I want to play drums and, uh, that's, that's what I want right there. I need a Tama kit. You know, I was into Nirvana. Dave Grohl played Tama. I liked Slayer, you know, uh, uh, Dave Lombardo was playing Tama. There was a, a point in time where Vinnie Paul was a Tama player for a little while. And so it like, it made sense to me. Eighth grade graduation, my parents bought me a Tama kit okay. from Sussex County Music from Mr. Lamaro. <laughs> I still have that kit. It's set up at church. I use that one at church. Okay. <laughs> and then um, that was the start, man. And uh, just over COVID, 
I finished refurbishing my big nine-piece double bass kit. I I did I did a Lars-inspired one. Instead of regular plain white, I used a white glass glitter material. And uh, the pictures, it doesn't sparkle in pictures. You've seen yeah, it in yeah, person. Yeah, yeah. Like anybody who sees it in person goes, oh my gosh, it doesn't look like that in the picture. <laughs> and uh, I did everything with black hardware. Because I'm, I'm a nerd and, you know, I don't have cars. I don't know hot rods. Uh, I don't have a gambling problem. I don't go to the titty bars. So uh, my girlfriend said I could I could spend the money on that. <laughs> so the first band that I knew about that you were in was Quarter Inch Fuse. But oh. Were you in a band before that? Oh, yeah, man. All the way back in high school uh, with Doug Kimball, actually. Okay. It's me, Doug Kimball, Mike Maloof, Connor Fortune. Uh, this would be our sophomore year, so it was fall of '97. Okay, fall of yeah, fall of '97. I feel like that works based on yep. the years I was in high school because yeah, a couple years older than me. So we played. Uh, they organized a benefit at the McAfee Firehouse for. Um, do you remember Reverend Steele, Josh Steele's dad? Yeah, yeah. So uh, they were building the new church, and. Um, it was a fundraiser, and we did six bands for six bucks. Oh, so it was us, uh, a bunch of wall kill bands like Watson Poe. So Zacher was there. Yeah, yeah. Chris Selinski, who I've played bass with in a bunch of bands yeah, together, yeah, yeah. including Quarter Inch Fuse. A lot of the people that you and I know now as adults were were there when we were kids. Yeah, yeah we did a we did a set. I think. Uh, we did a cover of uh, Glycerine, like that was real heavy because we hated Bush. <laughs> um, we did like Pinball Wizard, uh, I think Knocking on Heaven's Door. I do remember we, oh, we did the Megadeth version of Paranoid, which was pretty awesome. Okay. And we closed with For Whom the Bell Tolls. All right. Because Connor Fortune was older than us and a really good guitar player, and he could he na- he could nail all those solo parts. Nice. So we kind of like had the secret weapon, you know. <laughs> we were like the fifteen year olds with the with the sick guitar player, and you know I knew all the drum parts. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was our first gig. And what was the name of that band? Oh my gosh, what did what did we go by? We pulled it out of uh, Murph and the Magic Tones. <laughs> yeah, that's because we just we couldn't think of, you know, like, what, what were we going to pick? Like, we, I didn't want to pick some stupid, lame, like, we are death incarnate or something <laughs> like that. Like, don't get me wrong. I love all, you know me. I listen to all that kind of shit. Yeah. I just don't want to name my band something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's like uh, one of the episodes, uh, one, of the, one of the interviews I did was with... Uh, from the guy from the band Shitkill. Uh-huh. He's like, how'd you come up with that name? He's like, well, we were on our on our way to our first like our first like Battle of Bands open mic thing, and we're driving up through New York, and everything is this kill, that kill. We're like, let's call our band Shitkill. Shit kill. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious, dude. Well, that's you remember Fuckface? Yeah, 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 yeah. That was that was another one of those bands, <laughs> a local band for those who remember, a bunch of really talented musicians, and just wrote the you know, weirdest shit it's crazy to me thinking back on on that time of because as i said when i talked to craig like the the sufferance yeah face, sufferance like was that out. That, yeah. that general time was like a big deal in in my life we were we were at the sufferance band practices every week i know you were <laughs> yeah i know i remember because you you guys you and craig have always been really really yeah, we tight were, no, we were talking the other day we've known each other like 22 years 23 Man, years something like that crazy uh, we didn't like become friends until the coffee house actually, right. but like we had met 
because when I was in high school and I was an anime nerd in high school and some of the other anime nerds, they're like, hey, we're going to go over to my... Oh, yeah. Craig was Craig's an anime nerd, too. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's like, we're going we're to go to my sister's boyfriend's house to watch anime. Right. Sister's boyfriend was Craig. Was Craig. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, he was totally an anime nerd. Well, is. Yeah, yeah. And, and by the way, we're using nerd in a loving way, so don't anybody get upset. But what I was going to say is that it's crazy to me that all of that stuff, you know, you, you think about it now like, oh, everything's on the internet. I, I can't find it because all of those bands were done by then. There is yeah. no sufferance. There is no fuck face. There's no quarter inch. On the internet, there's, there's no quarter we had We had a MySpace page. Yeah. We used to, we used to have a MySpace page. Yeah, so how did that... <laughs> That I remember. I think you guys had two of them because yeah, because um, while our you know our singer he had some substance abuse issues that we weren't aware of at the time, and um, he uh, yeah he like when we were like no we don't want to play with you anymore because you've stolen all of our money he tried to uh, create another page with our music without any of our likenesses. Oh, see, I thought and, it was uh, when you guys switched bass players that you had a new because the old bass because I thought there was oh, a thing where the old bass oh, player had know, the MySpace and you guys didn't have access to it, so you had to make a new one. That's possible. I don't. I don't see him being that petty, but I guess I don't did. know. I, I, well, I mean, you know, his uh, his state his stage name was Mikey Anger, yeah, so yeah. it could have <laughs> been that. Could be that you might know better than I would. You know, you are also the only person to ever buy a quarter inch fuse DVD. I have it still floating <laughs> around here somewhere. <laughs> Oh man! Uh, so we did a um, when when uh, Katrina happened in 26 days. I pulled together a fundraising effort at the Sussex County Community College. We got a bunch of bands. Most of them uh, were college students, and um, we raised money for the Red Cross Disaster Relief Fund. Because I was again, I said I was a nerd. I was president of the broadcasting club. We uh, we actually uh, it was the first event from the college that had ever been broadcast live on the cable channel. The cable company came and ran special cables so that we could do this live, and uh, we raised a bunch of money. And they continued to run it for years afterwards. I could tell you. I remember a night I was in the Vernon Inn singing karaoke. And they used to have uh, a TV on the wall. And there was a guy who was having a great evening and was very intoxicated. And I'm singing. And he's looking at me. And looking at the television. And looking at me. And looking at the television. going, huh? you're, you're a guy on the TV? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, don't get me wrong, man. There's no ego about it. It's a small town. But the thing is, it is a small town. And it's cool when yeah. your friends see you on a TV in the bar. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I'm not famous. I don't have no money. But it's just like, it's a cool thing. You're like, oh, wow. Wow, I guess that thing that I did like five years ago is still pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how did the, the original, you know, with Mike, you know, how did Quarter Inch Fuse come together initially? <sighs> wow. Who who's reached out to me? I don't know if it, it had to be Mike. Mike must have reached out to me because I think he was probably the one I was closest to at that okay. point. I did not know John. I knew Daryl, but very, very, uh, very little. Yeah, so he had reached out to me, and um, we went to John's house in Barry Lakes, and I jammed with Daryl like once, and I was like, hey guys, you know, I haven't played in a couple of years, I'm rusty, I'm just going to be straight about that, like I'm excited to do this, but you know, I might not be up to speed, and uh, Daryl and I joke about this all the time, like he threw me out of the band, he was like, yeah, no, I don't want him coming back. <laughs> well, Daryl joined the reserves, went off to Afghanistan, I, I, I believe. 
he was either in Afghanistan or he was in Iraq, but mm-hmm. I remember he was he was away in active duty. They had another singer come in, and you know I got a call it was a couple months later, and then uh, all of a sudden, yeah, you know they liked the way that I'm jamming with them. Cool. The singer didn't work out. They found Wayne, who was our singer, roaming around uh, backstage rehearsal studio in West Patterson. See, I didn't even know you guys had, had gone through other singers before. Then. Yeah, well, th- we had like a couple of rehearsals with one guy, but it was obvious that he had a problem with pills. The guitar player, John, didn't even drink brown soda, and I would never have a drop of alcohol until my drum kit was put away. That's that's just my deal. Like, if other people are relying on me, I don't want a chance that yeah, yeah. that I'm gonna I'm gonna fuck it up. <laughs> so that's my thing, and uh, as we found out later, our, our buddy Wayne was he was a great performer, but partied way too hard. Right. No, I remember years later uh, yeah. when there was that that big the big, big bust. drug string, and he thing, was and in he was the in paper the, yeah. next to his dad. Oh, that's, I, yeah. I, I didn't know that. But. Yeah, and and like, and you you know me, you know that like I don't run in that kind of circle. Yeah, yeah. That's not. That's not, no. Thank you. I'm a family guy. You guys want to come hang out at my house, have a couple of drinks, do whatever legal things your state allows, and chill out in my backyard. I'm totally cool with that. Yeah, yeah. Other than that, nah, man. Like I got kids and. <laughs> right, right, right. So yeah, I don't. I don't put up with uh, with that kind of stuff. And I feel like if I'm if I'm in a band with somebody, I I need to take them seriously because otherwise it's disrespectful to them too. Right, right, right. You know, like I. I used to go, they used to laugh at me because I would go on stage with a gallon of water and a big bottle of Powerade. Yeah, yeah. And you know, you, know, you saw yeah. Quarter Inch Fuse a That's bunch of times. A bunch of times, yeah. Like the stuff that, that I wrote that was original, I was writing at the edge of my ability. So I could not oh, yeah. be the least bit slippery because it was hard enough for me to get it right. And I wrote the damn parts. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, you're right. I saw you guys. I, I was. I'm barely certain. I was. Yeah, I was at that show at the college. I was. Yeah. I saw you guys when they still did, and I don't know why they don't rock and wrestling when they. No, I. I no, I was at that. I was. Yeah. I was at that. But they, what I was gonna say is they don't really do. As far as I know, they don't really do rock shows or any kind of concerts at Mountain Creek anymore. Right. And you guys played there. I never played at Creek. You did. No, no way, dude. Because I remember that you guys, when you, when it was, because I remember it was one of those shows where your sound guy came up to play uh, Black Sabbath. We played at Creek. You did. Like, right when you. <gasps> oh, my God. We played outside. Yes. And there was snow on the ground. I believe there was. Oh, my gosh. I totally <laughs> forgot about that show. Oh, yeah, that's right. I had, so my, my kit was chrome. Back then, yeah. I had my big monstrous mirror chrome <laughs> nine-piece double bass Tama kit. That's right. I forgot we played outdoor. You know what's funny? I would never take that kit out. Like I wouldn't do a, a cold outdoor show like that. <laughs> that's why when we did the thing in my house, I had a tent. Yeah, 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 I'm yeah. like, Mm-mm, that's white. That stuff get it can get hot way too easy yeah, yeah. in the sun, and then it gets wrecked. I totally forgot we did that Mountain Creek show, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you reminded me. <laughs> I really like. It was a. In, in all fairness, we're talking like 2006. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's almost 20 years ago. Yeah. But holy shit, yeah, I forgot. I forgot. <laughs> wow, man. And then see, this is why you're good at what you do, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and there was another. I don't remember where it was in some sort of uh, uh, like a small uh, VFW or something. Oh, Oakland Elks Lodge. And yeah, and O'Mealy came out. Yep. Oh yeah, Chris O'Mealy. 
used to come out all the time. And John uh, John Salinas, yeah, Johnny yeah. Toxic, that that whole crew. I and they would bring um, who else used to come out? Joey Image. Well, yeah, Joey. <laughs> oh my God, oh, I love that dude. He's hilarious. Yeah, that was those guys. They all used to come out and watch us. That was so much fun. And then like I can remember us all going to the Pompton Queen afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Like I feel like that is that is like an essential Jersey music experience like hey we went out to see my buddy's band maybe we drank a little too much now we're at the diner at three in the morning ordering everything that they make and then we'll go home like the thing that's 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 annoying now is that post covid a lot of businesses restaurants etc that were open late or open 24 hours aren't anymore yeah like the pompton queen Closes at like eleven o'clock. I know the the TikTok diner, the Park West diner. They don't stay open late. I was talking on the on the Starland Ballroom Facebook page the other day, yesterday, because somebody was like, "Hey, you guys got to update the ad that plays on your screen for IHOP because IHOP's not twenty four hours anymore." And I was like, "Yeah, man, I'd always go to either IHOP or the Denny's next door, and neither of those are twenty four hours anymore." Yeah. You know, yeah, so- yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's. Uh, and and look that that kind of stuff used to hit me pretty hard because uh, you know I used to drive tractor trailer I know you know that yeah so like I would drive overnight a lot and it's it's tough you know it's tough enough to find places for a truck like yeah. to stop to get something to eat but then like when you see these options disappearing and forget about during COVID if you had to use a restroom anywhere good yeah. luck you unfortunately were relegated to whatever wood you could find right, right. because nobody would let you use the bathroom oh my god you're gonna kill my entire family right <laughs> yeah like even now because I work till 2 in the morning most nights oh and, yeah you, and so you like the, the Walmart down the road from me from my job Used to be, it was a dumb thing Casey and I used to do when we were younger. Like, all right, we got nothing to do on a, on a Thursday night. Let's go hang out at Walmart. And the, the Walmart doesn't stay open. The only the thing Middletown is, one? Yeah. It's not 24 no, hours they, anymore? They were saying, well, the, one of the ladies that works there was telling me, Walmarts in general, like corporate just decided, nah, we're not going to do it anymore. So like none of the Walmarts stay open 24 hours in the whole country anymore. Wow. You know, I just saw that they're going to be closed again for Thanksgiving this I saw year. That, yeah. I'm happy to see that though. Because that's not fair to the people who, who have families who work yeah, in yeah. those stores. Yeah. You know, nobody's getting off on those days. Yeah. Nobody. So, yeah, no, I did see that. This is the fourth year in a row that they're they're opting to not be open. But yeah, the only things that are that are open on my drive home when I'm coming home from work at two in the morning are quick check and uh the McDonald's up in Middletown is like open, but they they have well, they only have about twenty percent of the menu available after like ten p.m. Right, <laughs> right. And look, it, I mean, it's understandable why these why these corporations have made these cutbacks. Like, I get it, but it's still, you know, unfortunately, everyone has created an environment where everything's available all the time, and now they're starting to realize it wasn't profitable. Yeah. It's less profitable than it used to be, but now you're people are realizing the value of what they what they had because they're losing it. Right. Well, it's like going back to when we were talking about being at the coffee house. I remember many a night after the coffee house, 
or or after Bucket of Love Night at Bucket the of Love house, Night, just stumbling around the A and P because A and P was open twenty four yeah, hours. Yeah, right. <laughs> and you and you could you could get something to eat even if even if you were broke. The grocery store was a great place because yeah. you could get a loaf of bread for a dollar and a quarter. You know, <laughs> if you had two bucks in your pocket, you, <laughs> just bring home a loaf of bread. <laughs> It's true though, and you know we used to the Sussex Queen Diner. Yeah, that was a popular popular spot, even though it's the Sussex Sit and Chat. My my almost seven year old um, calls it the Sussex Queen because we taught him properly. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, dude. It is awesome, man. It is, and uh, the one guy whose family owns it, Haron, he's usually a host. I've known him since I was in high school, and I I told him. I, I, I said to he loves Harry yeah. and, and uh, I, I said to him Harry tell him what the name of this place is and he says Sussex Queen and he, dude he was laughing <laughs> he got a big smile on his face I was like you see we taught him the right way <laughs> so anyway circling sorry. back to, to quarter inch fuse and yes. I only bring it up because you said it you said that you know you guys your singer had issues and and that's where all the money went. So is that why the DVD was the only thing you guys ever had? You never really had a, yeah. a demo or an yeah, album so or anything? Yeah, so we had about 2500 bucks that we had put aside. When we would do those Oakland Elks Club shows, Wayne was actually in charge of organizing those shows. Mm-hmm. So any proceeds that we get, of course, we paid out Billy McGee, who is our sound guy and still a really awesome sound guy and still outperforming. We would pay, obviously, we needed a sound guy and Billy was great, so we'd pay Billy out. And whatever Wayne would get out of there went into like our quarter inch fuse pile for a demo. We were looking at about twenty five hundred to three grand. We thought we could probably press an EP. Yeah, yeah. You know, they, I guess um, one of the guys knew the guy who owned Blue Meanie, and he was inter- You know, he was going to offer some sort of discount, so we had saved that. And then we got to that point, and then uh, <laughs> Wayne told us the money was all gone. And then. Uh, John very smartly just made himself disappear because I think he would have turned Wayne into a stain on the ground. Um, but it, it, it sucks because, you know, that band was fun. We had a yeah. good time. We, we had a decent following. We didn't think we were anything special. You know, it wasn't like, man, we were so good. And everybody loved us. I think we were just fun. Yeah. You know, like we, it was high energy. You know, it wasn't, we didn't play anything crazy complicated. We weren't doing Slipknot. Right. You know, but we, we did some Anthrax covers. Like, we did Got the Time. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that. And we did, we totally pulled, um, we pulled out Bring the Noise. Just pulled it out of nowhere <laughs> one night at a show. Never played it before. And somebody was like, Bring the Noise. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and John just literally went, sat there and went, Man, just pick slides. I'm like, this is perfect, you know. And like, I even in the rap section, I even switched to the the right beat. You know, he does yeah. that. Um, what the fuck is that? That's from the James Brown, the funky drummer beat. But like, I think people just had fun when they came out to see us. Yeah, you know, yeah. that was a big thing. You remember, it was like. It was like most of the people that we hung out with. Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, I didn't care about making money. For me, it was like getting to hang with my friends, play, and then get off stage and get to hang with my friends right, again. Right, right, right. Like that, to me, like that's so much more fun than, you know, worrying about money yeah. and stuff. And that's, you know, that's why I don't 
I never really pushed hard to do it professionally. We have friends who are successful at doing it professionally. Yeah. And God bless them because it's a job. People yeah. don't think they're like, oh, man, that's so cool. Bro, you know what our friends go through to, yeah. to do what they do for a yeah. living. And I'm thinking specifically about Zacher and the guys from uh, from uh, Frankie Goes to Dollywood. Yeah. And all the all the projects they've been involved in and touring and stuff. Yeah. That's work. People don't realize that. Just because they you love music... Doesn't mean it's not a job, right? Because right. that's it. If you don't do that, you ain't, you ain't bringing money home, right? <laughs> so yeah, I, I, when, and when you guys, you know, like we've said before, you had Mike as your bassist at one point. Mike left, and then you got Chris, Chris in, and I, I, and I, I got, I got Chris. Okay, in. and I was gonna ask how Chris, because I, I remember Chris. I'm very good friends with his sister, but like I remember Chris from. Themes for Francis. Yes. So that's where Chris and I knew each other before Themes, but that's where we first played together. Okay. Themes for Francis was uh, like an alt, uh, alternative, original alternative indie rock yeah. kind of thing. And um, they had gone through a couple of drummers and um, they were looking for somebody to fill in. And, it, you know, it wasn't the type of stuff that I was playing at the time, which I think is why it interested me. It gave a lot of room for expression. Mm -hmm. And so I played with these guys with my giant ass <laughs> monstrous. And it it was bigger back then. I had nine drums, but I had like 16 cymbals, I think, Jesus. back then. Except that I didn't play it like you would expect it to yeah. be played. I played what was appropriate for the music. What I liked was that I had all these options. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To do, you know, you can do those cool, cheesy, like, because you have six toms yeah, in yeah, front yeah. of you. <laughs> and you can laugh at how stupid it sounds, but the shit sets it up really well, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, Chris and I just hit it off. Actually, I just, I talked to him last week. We're supposed to get together. He's uh, he's he's doing an album and he wants me to lay drum tracks down. Nice. And I, I am super excited because... Chris is Chris is probably my most favorite person to play with, honestly. <laughs> I haven't seen him in a while. The last time I saw him, because like I said, I'm, I'm very good friends with his sister Debbie. Mm -hmm. um, when their mom was sick, sick, yeah, I, yeah, I went and yeah. visited, and uh, that was well, the last and, time and I saw so him. that happened towards the end of Quarter Inch Views. Also, um, Chris's mom had just gotten sick, yeah. and he was like, "I gotta go." We're like, "Yeah, I'm terribly sorry. Please." Yeah. You got to take care of that, and it looks like this is falling apart anyway. So, like, well, I think there was, uh, if I remember correctly, it didn't go anywhere. But after Chris left, there was—I remember there was a brief period of time where Craig was rehearsing with you guys. Not with me. No, no, like, I know. Because I remember him, him so telling. Because again, all these years I've never jammed with Craig. Because I remember him telling me, like, might have jammed with John. Yeah, he, I remember him telling me he was—he was, you know, because Chris had left, he was right. playing at, at at John's house, yeah. and, and then, and then I think that either. The band ended, or Chris might have come back, and then the band ended. But like, I know that Craig never played a show, but I yeah. remember him telling me, like, "Yeah, I was, I was oh, rehearsing okay. with those guys." I never, I've never jammed with him, with him, huh? Not once, huh? Well, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, John had a drum set in his house, so you know <laughs> anybody could show up and play. It's not, you know what I mean? I used to a lot of times I used his because I didn't want to lug mine in and out for rehearsal. I've seen him a couple times since when I was working at uh, Lowe's. I remember seeing him and his wife come yeah. in, and they're great people. I think that, they really you know, are. I don't know what he's doing people. music wise these days, but, or if he's doing anything. But I, not, I think he was the last I had heard. He was playing with Crushpile again. 
Yeah, he's played with Crush Pile for a long time. Pretty much since Quarter Inch Fuse fizzled out. We, I actually, so after that, I had a, I had a, uh, a punk band. Oh, really? I don't, yeah. Oh, you don't know about this. No, yeah. The only so, bands that I was aware of you being in was Quarter Inch Fuse, and then the band you were most recently in, Five Cent Wings. So Mikey Anger calls me, the the first the bass first bass player, player, yeah, right, and he says, uh, he goes, hey, listen, I know this isn't your thing, but uh, I got this this punk band that I'm in now, and uh, they're signed. They're on Riot Squad Records, which was, uh, which Riot Squad was my chem's my Chemical Romance's label. Okay, they were located right in Booton, not in Booton. I'm sorry. Um, what's the the town right before Newark? Oh my gosh, I'm going to get hung because I'm from New Jersey and I'm totally <laughs> blanking out. Somebody, somebody's listening to this going, "It's you, moron." <laughs> Anyway, in any event, uh, yeah, in any event. So, oh, Belleville. I'm okay. sorry, Belleville. So, uh, so I was like, he's like, look, you know, we need somebody to lay tracks down. I know it's not your thing, but would you be interested in doing the studio work? And I heard, listened, and I was like, yeah, because it's totally different than what I was doing. Yeah. So I got involved. I went to their uh, the studio in Belleville, uh, which was pretty cool. It was like in an old book factory, but okay. it was a legit studio, like. The freaking costume closet had all their fucking skeleton black parade uniforms from oh, tour. Wow. Yeah, dude. Like Frankie Iero used to stop by once in a while. Um, so I rehearsed. You know, they liked me. Uh, came time to record, and I was like, "Look, I'm gonna bring my. I'm gonna. You know, I'm gonna use my drums." And they were like, "Well, you know, we have this one in the studio." I was like, "Yeah, I'm not playing that." Like, <laughs> I was like, "Look, you said you liked what I brought to the music." I was like, now I need you to trust me that I know what I'm doing with my instrument. And they were like, okay, well, we'll see what the producer says. So I changed the heads, adjust, changed my tuning to what's more appropriate to the music. You know, metal, it was a little more short and punchy. This was like punk, pop punk, so they were like open and ringy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I set up a larger kit than I would play out with. Like I did 10, 12, 14, 16, and 18, which in a punk band, you don't need it, but you're in the studio. Right, right. And uh, we set up. I play. The uh, producer, he comes in the headphones. He goes, all right. He's like, uh, can you come in the control room? I'm like, yeah, sure. So I'm like, I'm nervous. Like I, I had done live sound. I know how to get my drums to sound right live. You know, the little bit of minimal processing, right? So he, he, goes, he goes, take a seat. And I was like, okay. And he hits the playback, and I'm listening to, you know, what I just was fucking around with. And I, I, I looked at him, and I was like, damn, Todd. I was like, I'm like, how did you process these? Like, this sounds great, you know? And, and it's, run, it's all running into Pro Tools. And he goes, clunk. He's like, that's raw. He's like, no EQ, no compression, no reverb. So why don't you tell me? How you got that to sound that way. And we, we proceeded to talk for like two and a half hours. And it was awesome for me because it validated my anal retentiveness about right, right. tuning. <laughs> <laughs> so that was really cool. I played with them for a while. The singer and the guitarist, they, they like to uh, they like to get drunk and take pills and they got nasty. Mm. And we played at the Clash Bar in Clifton with... Uh, what was Bob uh, Bob Lamaro's old band? Bar Fight, American Bar yeah, Fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah, played yeah. with American Bar Fight. So like, 
a lot of my older, our older metal friends are there. Guys that I looked up to that are five years older than me out to see us. We're, we're killing it. The guitarist apparently breaks a string and decides to smash his semi hollow body to pieces on stage. Um, I'm not that kind of uh, that kind of musician. Right. Like to the point that I used to, even as a kid, like when Nirvana would start smashing their shit, I would change the channel. Like I don't like that. I don't like that stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not for me. You know, I don't. I just I don't. I don't like that thing. When I was a kid, I used to think you could give that away to a school or a kid who can't yeah, afford yeah. something. And as an adult, I'm like, you're just an idiot. <laughs> it's not. It's not my thing. Um, and uh, shortly after that, I was like, yeah, uh, uh, it's not. Yeah. This isn't. This isn't gonna fly. Like I'm. I'm thoroughly embarrassed. And uh, yeah, like you know, have my friends there and be playing with with my friends' bands and it's like. What the hell are you guys thinking? Yeah, yeah. You know? Like, really, uh, it was really disappointing. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, I don't, don't get me wrong, this is a long ass time ago, bro. And, you know, I hope that they're all doing well. Yeah. You know? It's, I mean, even, even recently, I think there was just, there were some personality conflicts with the guys that I was playing with recently. It was a lot of fun. The music was really great. And, uh, you know, I think that they're, uh, they're going to do really well. They've been together for, you know, a year and a half or two years. And th- they played their first gig this summer at my house at the yeah. party. So that was pretty awesome. Um, and uh, I'm sure they're going to be fine. I think they, they had somebody that, that they, uh, they, were, they were checking out. And, you know, man, we're, we're all adults and we all have adult lives. Like, I wish I could rehearse like I did when I played in that punk band okay I used to I'd either rehearse three nights a week and play four or rehearse four and play three <laughs> I mean I was single and in my in my late 20s or mid to late 20s so it didn't really matter yeah you know but like I I just I don't have that kind of time time yeah like yeah. I don't and <clears throat> I can't wrap my head around that. <laughs> so one thing I wanted to ask you about, because it's come up a couple times since we've talked, and it comes up whenever we talk, is, is your drums. Yeah. Because I remember you had your kit, and you didn't, and then you got it back. And I kind of, so, so, and so I kind of want to know that whole, uh, you know, that, that whole process of how, of, of, you know, why you got rid of it and how you managed to find it again. 2002, I worked at Guitar Center in Totowa. Um... Guy comes I remember that because because a couple years later you were still working there. We did a rent fair at that hotel, and I was like, you were, I was like, Andy, come by. You like came over on your lunch break. Or That's something. right. Yeah, well, because we used to go to the 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 bar over there was Docs. We used to go over there to eat lunch. Like if we had a lunch hour and we had a good week, like you go over and have a steak and a and a soup. Yeah. yeah. So I'm working at GC in Totowa. It's 2002. Uh, I start talking to this guy who's got a bunch of electronic kits, and. Um, and he's got this old Tama kit. He wanted to. Ta- he says Tama. It's Tama. See, you guys can't see, but I'm wearing yeah. a Tama. I'm putting this up like yeah, a I know. I, I saw that. That was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, he just held the recorder up so you could hear the stitching on my hat. So, um, so I look. I look at the picture, and these are legit pictures because this is 2002. Phones were still potatoes. <laughs> so I was like, bring the stuff in. I see a nine-piece double bass Tama kit, and I'm like, <laughs> you know, my pants are getting short because, like, <laughs> this is what I've wanted since I was 13 years old. Yeah. So I um, I talked to the guy. I worked out a very fair deal. He got the money he was looking for because he ate a lot of electronic stuff. 
that was still in excellent condition and worth it. And I only put like 200 bucks into the drum set. And um, my store manager wouldn't let me buy it because he knew I wanted it. So <laughs> uh, at the time I was dating our friend Christina, I called up her stepdad, Doc, who worked at Bach to Rock. He was their guitar tech. I was like, Doc, I need you to come down to the store after work with the truck. You're going to buy a drum set with my debit card. I'll load it into your truck and I'm going to come by after work and pick it up. I was like, they're breaking my balls. I need this drum set. And he goes, yeah, sure. No problem. <laughs> so for 200, I did $225. I got that entire kit. It was, it was, it was rough. It had been sitting in a basement forever. Uh, I took it home. I took it all apart, took all the hardware off, cleaned everything, got it perfect. In that time period, uh, Roy Burns, God rest his soul, from Aquarian Drumheads that reached out to me at the store because he was trying to get people to promote his product. And he sent me 18 brand new drumheads oh, wow. for that kit. And I, I started playing Aquarian. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I played it out chrome like that. Uh, that was themes for Francis time. Things, things died down. Music wasn't looking good. I bought a car I wanted to play with. I sold my drum set back to the store. Okay. year or two later, I'm playing with Quarter Inch Fuse. We've done a few gigs. I've borrowed drum sets. Two weeks before Christmas, I'm in Guitar Center, and I see a chrome Tama kit, but it's like a 22, like an 18, a 13, and a 10. Pieces that you would not normally see together in a set. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at that, and I'm going, looks like half of a double bass kit. Like, who the hell would, nobody would have this kind of configuration. <laughs> and I walk around the corner, and I see the 12, the 14, the 16, and the other 22. And I'm like, I'm literally like standing, looking back and forth, like I'm double taking, you know? <laughs> and holy shit, it was my drum set. They split it into two, two sets. Somebody had sold it back to the store. I bought it back. Did the whole quarter-inch fuse thing before I moved to Boston. Big mistake. I sold my set. Didn't play drums for 10 years. 2000, Loretta and I get together 2015. 2016, she's looking for a birthday present for me. Decides she wants to get me a drum set because she knows I miss it. She buys me one, keeping it a secret. And the next day she comes to me and she goes, look, I was trying to do this. I bought you this drum kit and I'm super excited. She got me a five-piece black Tama set. It's my original my original kit. Yeah, she actually yeah. found my original kit. She got it from somebody in Lafayette. All right. She goes, but I saw this ad on Let Go, and I think it might be that drum set that you used to talk about all the time. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, so you know, I, I look like that. I look like the fat cat, heavy breathing meme. And I'm looking, I'm looking at the thing, and I'm blowing it up, and I'm looking at the bass drums, and I see like very specific scratches. The logos that were on the heads, I had cut at a vinyl shop. They weren't screen printed like standard bass drum mm -hmm. logos because they had worn off, and I didn't want to place the original. I didn't want to replace the original stock heads, so I had a vinyl shop actually cut the Tama decals. So I'm looking. I'm going. Yeah, there's no doubt, dude. This is mine, <laughs> and it was up in Wurtsboro, New York, like two hours from here. I get a hold of the guy on the phone. Super cool. He's super excited. I found my old drum set. He just like found his old car like a year before okay. that he had in high school. So like he totally got it. Gave me a good deal. Gave me a bunch of extra pieces because I had zero. Mind you, I hadn't played drums in 10 years. I had right, right. nothing. A bag of sticks. 
He gave me stands he had laying around, crappy symbols he had laying around. Like, here, man, I know you don't have anything. I don't need this. This stuff is junk. Like, you know, but it's it's good enough. And I was like, dude, please, you don't have to apologize. You're yeah, giving, yeah. Like, thank you. And uh, I played it a little bit, and it, it stat, sat stacked. And I started going to church, and uh, and I wanted to play at church. And, you know, it took a little while. Pastor wanted to make sure I was going to stick around, and I wasn't just going to be a hammerhead and show up for three weeks, and they were yeah. going to rely on me, and then I'm gone. Yeah, yeah. I can't blame him for that. So I played. They had an old they have an old Thomas Swing Star kit. Uh, I think it's like an 84. And I was like, hey, Pastor, do you mind if I, like, bring some of my drums in? And he's like, oh, I don't care. So I brought, uh, I used their cymbals because I had <laughs> terrible cymbals. <laughs> and uh, I brought like a five-piece version of the Chrome kit. And, um, and then I, I started thinking like, you know, I rewrapped a snare drum. She bought me a snare drum and I rewrapped it in this cool Galaxy printed wrap. And I was yeah. like, you know, I think it's time to, when COVID hit, because we weren't at church, I was like, I think it's time to, to start rewrapping this kit because yeah. i i taught i looked at doing it all the way back in 2002 when i first got it and i talked to loretta about it and we decided like that was my covid project man i i got out of one hobby that i was in i sold all the gear and i rolled it into doing this and i did everything by hand i i took the kit down to the bare wooden shells and threw everything away and started from scratch so i i have been over every single inch of that instrument and uh and it's, it, I love it, man. Like that's mine. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I just I put it up on one and one of the drum groups I'm in was doing a roast my kit, so I put it up. You know, I got a couple of good. The the one guy and you'll appreciate this because because you're a metalhead. The one the one guy goes, I bet that thing sounds like a pool noodle smacking a wet tarp, and, <laughs> and I was like. Dude, you win! <laughs> I'm like, you win. That's that's fantastic. Like, that's a, it's such a metal. Th and he was like, he's like, I love them. By the way, I was like, no, thank you. But seriously, that was like the best one I've ever heard. <laughs> I had my friend Alex came by last week, and um, you know, I showed him the kit, and like, I played for like a minute or two, and he's just he's like, they're so thick. I was like, I know. I was like, they're. I was like, they're set up this way on purpose. I'm like, the kit that I use at church is the exact same kit. It's the same kit. I've got coated heads on it. I've got it tuned differently. I use different sticks, yeah. but it's the same. It's the same wood. Yeah. You know. But uh, it's. I mean, you've you've heard it. I yeah. I I fell in love with that kit. I think playing with quarter inch fuse. It just. It always sounded exactly like I wanted it to. And I spent a lot of money on parts. I mean, it was like $6,500. Oh, wow. And I did all the labor myself. I could have bought a high-end kit for that. Yeah. I could not buy what I have. You know, yes, it's a Tama Rockstar, which means it's Philippine mahogany and basswood. It's not super tone wood. They are made in Japan, which is a big difference because... Tama only had one factory in Japan, hmm. so they got made by the same craftsmen that were making the high-end stuff. And because of the way they did things in the days, the older days, the shells are thicker. That gives you, that changes the characteristics of your sound. The toms are super deep. They're power toms. And they just, it adds a natural like thickness and almost like a compression hmm. to the raw sound of the drum. And that's not to say new stuff is amazing, but because technology has changed, 
shells are much thinner now. Right. The drums are a lot shorter. And they sound good, but it's not the same for me. Right. Like, both of those kits are Japanese-made rock stars tuned completely differently. And when I sit down at either one of them, I'm happy with what I hear right. immediately because it always sounds exactly like I want it to. And, uh, and you know, that was a big thing for me. I knew I couldn't... 6500 bucks. I could not buy a double bass white and black kit with power toms and fucking thick-ass shells. Like <laughs> right, that. right. <laughs> it's not happening. So, I mean, I'll never... I will never recoup what I spent yeah. in parts. Ever. Ever. That's not a question. It was not an investment. It was a toy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? So, like, I, I got to be clear about that because there's some guys on the the drum groups that are like, what the hell are you doing, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, I understand that. Like, I, I, I like what I have, though. I've done a lot of studio work with it in a variety of different stuff. And if I really like the sound, well, I can change the appearance. Yeah. I can change the appearance. Yeah. You know, and that was, that was like my thought. And then, you know, I ran away with it and got super anal like I do with everything else. Well, I remember, I don't know what the show was. There was some show, some podcast that O'Mealy had. I think it might have been Jersey yes. Rain. Uh, no, it was the uh, um, nerds at the the lunch table, the nerd table. Oh, it was the nerd table. I was on the nerd table. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. well, I remember when you were, you were doing when I was you were just on whatever started. the show was and yeah. you were doing it and then like... We had fallen out of touch because you yes. weren't on. You weren't on social media. I was media. not on any social media and, for four years. And you had changed your phone number because you were talking to Amelia. And then I, I remember I, this came up actually in my Facebook memories recently. As I went, I texted the number I had for you, and I, and I know I sent you the screenshot of it. I texted the number I had for you. I was like, "Is this still Andy's phone?" Apparently, I haven't texted it in X amount of years. And whoever belongs to the phone number at that point, they're like, "Well, this is Andy's at school right now. This is Buzz Lightyear." Ah, and that's then, hilarious. and then he's like, "That's right, I remember." He's you like, "But, but actually, it's no, sorry, dude, wrong number." <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty rad. That's hilarious, man. And so then I'd ask Chris if you know he could give me your number, and yeah, and, you and know. we and we got hooked back up again. Yeah, yeah, I miss I, that Nerd Table podcast was fun. Uh, Eric was his co-host. Yeah, yeah, that's. I had a great time with those guys, man. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. That that whole show, it was it was really a blast. It was a good time. But uh, I, you know, I had to call in, so it sounded like crap, which is why I right. wanted to do this face yeah. to face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I, I prefer to do it this way when we can. I think uh, it's easier you know. to bounce too, because yeah. you know you can read body language and expressions. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, nobody here know can see it, but because I'm half Sicilian, I I have to talk with my hands. My left hand hasn't stopped moving the entire time we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I don't know what he's. I, I don't, I don't know if they're planning on bringing that back. I know that he... They are. He, he he's, re, he's got some things he's yeah. he's doing. Yeah. I know that he rebranded the, the Facebook page, and he, you know he's got a lot... He's always got something going. I've known Chris. The, the reason that... And I don't know if I ever told you this. The reason that Chris and I became friends was back in high school, he had a Pokemon website. And it was this really, really wow. involved Pokemon website. And there was a kid that I was friends with that was a grade below me who'd known Chris from middle school, lived in my neighborhood. And he's like, you know, he'd gotten me into Pokemon. And he's mm -hmm. like, dude, this this guy I know, he's like, he's got, you know, because I guess he had Warwick for his internet provider. And any, at least at the time, they gave you, like, the tools and the yes. domains to, like, make a website. Yes, you could actually so, do that back then. Yeah, so yeah. he made, he had this Pokemon website he called Muse Pokemon Page. And so, like, this That's kid awesome. James, he was like, all right, like, you should meet this guy Chris. 
you know, we used to start our friendship started out by like me and James having three way calls with Chris. And then one one day I was just like called Chris on my own. I was like, hey, James is on the line, but I figured like we've talked enough. Like we're friends now. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, and uh, you know we've been friends ever since. So that was you know ninety eight. <laughs> Chris, Chris is good people, dude. He's he's good, solid. But he's people. like always had something. He had the Pokemon thing, and and then that turned into at one point when he was doing that, it was uh, there, he even started doing like fan fiction where he wrote this like stories of us. In the world of Pokemon, That's as so trainers. Cool. That's awesome. And we had man. teams and everything. It was cool. And, you know, life got in the way. And, but, you know, but then he's for always been. That, and for those of you who don't know Chris, he was also a safari driver at, at uh, Disney's Disney. Animal Kingdom uh, amongst a bunch of positions. But he, he really enjoyed the safari driver job. Can you see him doing that, dude? I, I wish when I was down there, he was working in Epcot, which was awesome because mm-hmm. he hooked me up with a great spot to see the fireworks. But, like, I wish I could have gotten a ride on one of his safari tours. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, I know him and his presentations must have been amazing. Yeah. And and then, you know, I think that he was, you know, he, but like I said, he's always had a project. He had the Pokemon. He was in wrestling. He's podcasts. He's in yep. wrestling again now. Yeah. And doing the Pokemon thing. See all the cards he's making? Oh, that's right. He's doing, he's the doing Pokemon all those cards. He's getting back into Pokemon. Yeah. Well, in fact, I've helped it's, him with it's some It's all of those. going in circles, I've helped man. him with, with like, there's one that we haven't, that he hasn't put out yet. My kids were like, we went to go back in May to see the pirate metal band Ailstorm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. I and saw. The, and the kids were like, you kids love Ailstorm. And they're right. like, Chris should make a Pokemon trainer card for Chris Bowes, the singer of Ailstorm. I remember. So I reached oh, out to Chris, God. and, like, he and I did it. He hasn't put it out yet. Oh, he hasn't put he, it like, out He, like, he actually messaged me, like, like probably two, three weeks ago and said, hey, so we put this together, and I need to write up the descriptions of why these Pokemon are on the team. And I forget why we picked them, and I haven't been able to get back to him yet. To, to So he's moved yeah. on. I'm sure it'll come out at some point once I can touch base with him and right. say, this is why we did these things. That's so cool. <laughs> See, and these are the ways... Where social media and technology is really awesome. Yeah. Because we're able to do that. And Chris lives three hours away from us. Yeah. And I like the fact that, you know, if if he and I haven't talked in a couple of weeks, I can just send him a meme, a Simpsons meme yeah, yeah. or a wrestling <laughs> meme. And, like, he'll get that and he'll know that I was thinking of him. Right, right. You know, like, for for that kind of stuff, man, technology has done wonders. But, you know, there's always the ugly side. Right, too. right. And that kind of dovetails into the question I ask everybody on the show uh, is, is how do you feel about where the music industry is now, where everything we were talking before we turned on about Spotify and all these streaming things yeah. and how nobody buys music and and how it turns into this thing where, where like the general public at this point is like, well, nobody really, you know, Bands make all their money at shows, so what do you got to buy the music for? But they don't. That's the thing. And and the formula, you know, I watched I watched Snoop Dogg talk about this. Yes, I saw this. I'm sure everybody has seen it. And he's like, I'd like to know where the hell, how the hell I'm getting paid because I got a billion views and the money ain't adding up. Right. And that's and you know what? That's a God's honest truth. That's that man's work. So what if it's recorded and can be listened to infinite number of times? Right. Like that's still, or the band, whatever. There's a lot of people involved there who need to be paid properly for the work that they did. And, you know, I think it, I feel pretty strongly about it because, you know, when, when we were when we were coming of age, you know, you had LimeWire. 
Right. Or, and or I Napster. Had, or Napster. Or, uh, I never. Uh, Napster was out. It was LimeWire <laughs> and Kazaa, Morpheus. Yeah. Um, and I had a huge music collection. But I also had all the freaking CDs for the stuff I downloaded. It was more to get it on the computer. Right. But I think it's really, it's really important that an artist is paid for their work. I think constantly you get, oh, exposure, exposure. Well, that's, that's baloney. Right. Like this, you know, I'm doing a job. I need to be paid for it. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, uh, I run a, I, I run a DJ business with my business partner and, we get paid for our work. Right. We volunteer for things also. You know, like we donate our time. There's there's organizations that'll look to hire us. Like there's a um, there's the Civil Air Patrol. Um, I know um, someone who has a few children, and so she's mm-hmm. involved. And they wanted to hire me for Halloween, and she told she's like, "Oh, what do you charge? You know, it's it's for my the Civil Air Patrol cadets." And I said to her, "I was like, uh, forget it, like." No. Well, we're not looking for a donation. I know, but like my business partner and I donate our time for certain organizations where we feel it's it's just not it's not right to take the money. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But like obviously that kind of stuff aside, those are outliers. You have to get paid for what you do. Yeah. You know, it's it's not fair that you know, people they look sometimes poorly at folks who've been successful because they're they're loaded you know like yeah. the guys from metallica they got more money than they'll ever know what to do with and people are like oh what do they need the money for they don't need more money that's not for me it's not the amount of money it's the principle right those guys created that stuff that's their intellectual property and they should be properly compensated when people use their intellectual property right that's that's just how I feel about it. I mean, you know, doesn't mean they need to get paid ten dollars every time Master of Puppets gets played, but you you know, it also doesn't mean they should get a half a penny every time it's right, played right, either. Right. <laughs> I think that for the for a long time the upper echelons of the record industry have really been sucking up a lot of the money. Yeah. But then you see people like Taylor Swift, who during her tour gives out $150,000 in bonuses to her truck drivers. Right. Because the lady is smart and she realizes without those guys, this show is not going to go anywhere. Right, right, right. It's, you know, I think the simple answer is they got to get paid. The complex answer is what's a proper rate. Yeah, yeah, and then the, and and you have all the you know, and I've never been in in the business to know the intricacies, but you know you've got all of those other things of fi- like like figuring you know the engineers and you know not just the band or not just the artist, all of the recording engineers and all of this that should be paid as well, mm-hmm. you know, and and, and well, you know Rob Rob Austin, yeah, you know Rob, yeah, so yeah. his brother Miles is tour manager for Archspire. I didn't know that. Yeah, so Miles is doing all of the booking and and arranging all the all the everything we're talking about. Miles has been doing. Yeah, I met Rob at college actually. Yeah, yeah, and, and he was at that show. Okay, that we were at. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and uh, Starland. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, so Miles does all this stuff. Okay, Miles does all this management, and that's one of the things that people don't realize about Lars Ulrich. For a long time. He was doing all the back-end business of it. So you know what? Maybe the guy is a bit pompous or was when he was younger. He's, he seems to have mellowed out quite a bit. But you know what? He held that band together a lot. Yeah. For all the crap that people give him, 
he is the reason that band makes money. That's why there's like Metallica Incorporated because of him. Yeah. <laughs> and people don't realize that. I didn't know that. I thought he was just a pain in the ass. <laughs> and uh, you know, when you when you start to dig in, you're like, oh, oh. Oh, dude, this band wouldn't even be around. Even you know, say whatever you want about his playing ability, the band wouldn't even wouldn't exist if it right. wasn't for his business acumen. Well, it's like uh, Arch Enemy. When we saw Arch Enemy, the woman who was their singer now, or then rather, is is still their manager. Oh, Angela's yeah, she, yeah. Them? She stepped back from singing to manage the band. Wow. And you know they replaced her. I yeah. twice now, right? No, she's she, been replaced twice. No. No, no, I I uh, I fell off after she was gone. Mm. I uh, I tried. The other the other the other singer is really good, but I've seen Angela a couple of times live. Yeah. I saw her at the Chance. I saw her when you and I saw her, and I don't know, dude. I were, rem- were they at the when we went to Ozfest? Did they play Ozfest also? They did not. Cradle played one year. Dimu played the next year. Because I know that I've seen. Uh, Arch Enemy at, at festivals, but I don't yes, know. Yes, uh, they've been at a ton of fe- they played tons of festivals, yeah, but I figure... didn't see them at another festival. Okay. We met the bass player that night that we were at we were at Starland. We were talking to him. Yeah, yeah. For a while. The the, the guy who's taller than me that plays <laughs> that crazy Rickenbacker. The bass player from Taller the... than taller than you. That's yeah. I know that's people ta- taller than you, but that's Yeah, but there's not to... there's not many uh <laughs> Eisner, right? Is no, no, not Eisner. Shiz. Shiz, that's right. Yeah, Shiz yeah, no, is taller yeah, than Eisner's me. Eisner's about my height. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's Shiz okay. is Shiz is taller than me, and that's not that's not so. I'm six six, so it's not often that I look up to people or even <laughs> dead in their eyes. Even that's like, oh man. My my friend Roger is six five, and he's built just like me. When the two of us stand together, I'm just like, oof. <laughs> this is kind of scary, man. <laughs> I'm big, and I'm looking at this, going, oh, "This is not. Is, is this a safe spot in the floor?" You know. <laughs> I can't help myself. Yeah, you know. But uh, yeah, no, I know that I've definitely seen them because I. I think that we went to Ozfest together in '03. I know '04 and '04. Yes, but I went every year from '02 to. 07, which was the last... Those two Oz... Oh, so we have to talk about the, the speed, the land speed record. Jesus Christ. So we're at Craig's house in Highland Lakes in the morning, and, you know, I was 23 at the time, and I was a total hammerhead, and I, I bought a brand new car that I did a bunch of modifications to, and uh, we went past Smoke Rise, and I passed a Honda S2000 like it was standing still, and I realized I was doing 120. <laughs> and we made, it, we made it from Highland Lakes to... Uh, to PNC <laughs> Arts Center in an hour and five minutes or something like that. That's that was thing, ridiculous. Like when we were going down the, the highway, fucking parkway or whatever, and I'm driving Casey's fucking... The Maxima? Yeah. The old Maxima? Yeah. The and, big square nose one. <laughs> yeah. And, like, and I'm like, fucking... The, the, there's no more numbers. I remember you called me. You're like, where are you? I ran out of speedometer. <laughs> you were in the express lanes... Going across the swamp at Cheesequake. That's where you are. That's exactly where you are. I remember. Because I remember I flew past. I was in the I was in the local. And I freaking zinged past <laughs> you guys. It's like, oh, there's Jay. <laughs> <laughs> but I was a kid. I do not condone driving like an idiot. It's a terrible idea. Well, yeah. But that was that was a record-breaking trip, though. I can't believe I made it down there that fast, dude. I was just hammering it. <laughs> <laughs> and I loved I loved going to uh, 
I love going to shows. People know that about me. You know that about me. I was talking to uh, my friend Shay yesterday, and I was saying who like, I ever, also know. Yeah, yeah. Ever since I like, met her, when, I met her at the. She was the doing other coffee th- house. No, before. No, before. Uh, so she was doing a theater thing at St. Thomas Church when I was playing in Deems for Francis. That's the first oh, okay. time I ever met All Shay, right. and I was like, wow. This girl's like 14, and she curses more than I do. <laughs> she seems like she's pretty cool. And then she started popping up at the coffee house after Right, that. yeah. She was <laughs> friends with my sister in middle school and used to hate me. And mm-hmm. then we became friends, and we became friends when when, when Mary Ann's coffee house closed, and we all started going, going to Gary's. Gary's at, yeah. when it was at Mountain Creek, yep. and she was working there at the time. Yep. But I was telling her that like ever since we bought the house, you know, and adulting has taken over, like... I've just got to do less shit, and it sucks. And I was talking to Charlie about this on the last show. Like, I don't get to go to shows as much as I would like to, but, you know, I love going to shows. I love music, you know. I was able to go, you know. And, uh, you know, the last episode, you know, we talked about Pantera. I know that I talked about uh, this with you a little bit. Yeah, we, we had a private conversation but, about it. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Well, not private. Yeah, but, but like real quick, you know, because I know that you got you got a, you got got places to be, so I don't want to keep you too long. But I want to get your, your, your opinion on, so, on the current state of Pantera. I think people are giving Zach Wild way too much shit. I think what they're doing is really great. I think, and again, this is all my personal opinion. It's not gospel. Yeah. Because I know there's there's opinions all across the board about this whole thing. I think that they're doing a really good job to honor the Abbott brothers. I know some people don't feel that way because Phil's still involved. I think that Phil and Vinny never would have made up because Vinny blames Phil for Daryl getting killed, and it's not Phil's fault. It's not. They all said some shitty stuff to each other. I watched a long interview with Rex you probably have seen it. And he and the one thing he said, like, when shit was getting out of control, he was like, boys, we can't be doing this out in public here. You keep the family problems in the family. Yeah. You know? And, and like, I, I agree. And he wasn't even... He didn't even say that, like, emotional. He was just like, that's just not how we do things here. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and, uh, and I don't think... I don't think that um, Vinny would ever forgive... Or, I mean, yeah, Vinny would never forgive Phil. But I think that those guys are doing a great job. I think Charlie was an excellent choice to fill Vinny's seat. I actually would have liked to see Dave Lombardo. Uh, and I love Charlie. Charlie yeah. Benante from Anthrax, by the way. Uh, Charlie is also a big part of my playing style. Also a Tama player. Part of the reason I wanted to play Tama. Right. I watched another guy I watched beat the crap out of his equipment all the time. And it was just like, yeah, it's cool. This is what I'm designed for. <laughs> <laughs> I think Charlie's doing a really great job. Those are really big shoes to fill. Yeah. And it's not that Charlie definitely has the chops to do it. That's that is not that is not a concern. It's, you know, the feel isn't quite the same, but I don't think that's Charlie. I I can't put that on Charlie. Like, I saw Fear Factory the year Harrison was born in 2016. Uh, It was the 20th anniversary of of Demanufacture. Okay. And I went and saw them, Delhauer and I, Eric Delhauer and I went to the city to see them. 
and uh, Mr. Belding actually introduced them. Oh yeah, I yeah, yeah. about that. So so that that ties into your Dan Floric thing. That <laughs> uh, was pretty rad because apparently he's been friends with the band for like ever. Okay. So not who you would expect to right, introduce right, right. Fear Factory, and he's like, "That's right, I'm Mr. Fucking Belding." Like he <laughs> he was totally because everybody went nuts when he walked on stage, and he totally rolled with it. They had a new drummer, and I have watched that. I've seen that guy's other work because he's he's a monster, but he didn't have the feel that Ray did. Mm. Like, he played the parts correctly. I can't play those parts. I used to be able to play some of them when I was younger, but now I'm old, and I don't have the time to dedicate to it. But uh, So this is not a critique of him as a drummer at all. It's just, you know, when you have a, a different player, you have a different feel. Right. And it just, the Pantera thing, it feels a little bit different. But I think it's great that they're doing that. I think that they've opened up. And why Why should Vinny and Rex, why should their magnum opuses die on the vine? You Phil, know? Phil and Rex. Yeah, I'm sorry, Phil and Rex. I'm sorry. <laughs> why, should, why should their magnum opuses die on the vine? You know, that's not fair. Bands have been reforming when guys die for as long as music exists. And they just... Uh, they they got to they got to take it a little easy on those guys I think. Yeah. I'm sorry I didn't get a chance to see them this summer cuz I just I didn't have the money to go. I really wanted to, but I think that they're doing a damn good job and I think Metallica's doing a great job too. I've seen a lot of their live footage from this past tour and they're playing really well. You got to realize those guys are in their 60s. Yeah, I know. didn't get to go to that. I'd wanted to when they first announced it. Um, but when they first announced it, you had you, you know you had to buy tickets to both days. That's I why like, I didn't do it. It was I was like I don't really have four hundred dollars. I, I wanted to take my stepdaughter. It would have been like six hundred bucks for the two of us. And frankly, I don't have time to go to two different concerts. Like I get the value. Yeah. Like three hundred bucks a person for two concerts. You know, I get the value there. But like I don't have time to go to two concerts yeah, yeah. either. But I did like all the extra shit that it, that they planned like. They did a thing when they were in Jersey where they had, on one of the days, you could get into the parking lot, you could watch Overkill play. Right. Like, and then the other day was Prong. And I was like... See, that's pretty rad. That's pretty rad. But it's it's just the money. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. I don't... I, you know what it's like. You got kids. You, yeah. you don't... You just don't have... I haven't gotten a tattoo in 12 years. You guys can't see me, but I'm sleeved both sides and my legs from the knees down to my ankles. I haven't gotten a tattoo in more than 12 years, actually, because I don't have the money to spend on a tattoo. Like, the drum set thing was a big deal, but like I said, I I got out of one hobby and rolled a lot of the the money back into the new one, but that's that's how it is when we grow up. Yeah, I haven't had a tattoo since before the kids were born. I yeah. 06 was my last tattoo. But there you I've go. I got like money sitting there. I was uh, you know, someone for Christmas gave me they're like here is 100 bucks. I don't want you to this is for a tattoo. Right. I don't there want you to spend else. it on anything else. Right. And so it's just been sitting in my PayPal waiting for me to now go find time to do it, but you know, that's been, you know, 2006, you know, was was the last time that I did that. So we're going to wrap up. The only thing I want to add, the last thing I want to ask you before we, we wrap is, you know, you, you were saying that you're, the band you were in, you're not in the... So what do you, you know, you've got the drums. I know you, you play at church. You, you know, are you looking to, to, to play out? You have to be in another band? Or? I would like to. Um, I look at, for all the reasons we just discussed, I can't practice three times a month, you know? 
I'd be happy if I if I can get two practices a month in, and if I could get out to play once or twice a month, I'd be really happy with that because yeah. I like to get out and play. My business partner Ray Sakura, he's he actually asked me next summer we're gonna get together and go out and play some shows. Going to be doing some like old folk rock and country stuff that's like totally different for me. Yeah, yeah. I'm really looking forward to it because I'm getting a chance to go out and play. Yeah, and that's really. Like that's really what I'm what I'm going for, you know. I you know I'd like to. My dream has always been to get like a '90s uh, alternative and metal cover band together. I would love to do like Alice in Chains and Slayer and Pantera and Megadeth and Metallica and you know Pearl Jam and Nirvana, like all the stuff we grew up listening right, right, to. Right. Like because our age people would love that at a bar. Yeah, you yeah. would you would draw a crowd. And, and I'm not even saying that from a money standpoint in my pocket, but you would bring a bunch of people in and they would have a great time. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, it's like when you do, you know, I know that you're now you are running karaoke. Remember when you used to just do karaoke? And it was always fun to watch you Thank sing. You. And I mean, I was, Thank you. I have a playlist on my phone of all songs that I like to sing. And every time, one of the songs that's on there... Because I remember that so is, is Darkness by Disturbed. Oh my gosh, and I, I did it. And That's I, right. And I remember one time we were driving from the you were driving me and Casey home from the coffee house. Yeah. And you and I were singing. Yeah. And we got near the end and we both fucked up the same way at the yeah, same yeah, part. The at same the end. Note. That's right. That last one. That was so that was a great album, by the way. And that song was fantastic gift. Yeah. To go from that like ass kicking album to the last song is just like wow, dude. We're seeing them live and doing that back to back now with their version of uh, Enjoy oh, yeah. the Silence or uh, um, not uh, Enjoy the Silence. Uh, 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 um, sound sound of, silence. of Silence. Yeah, sound. Yeah, yeah. So I've I've attempted that uh, their version of it. I need to practice it. It's in my. It's definitely. I so you you haven't seen me out. So now I, I picked a lot of. Um, I've been doing a lot more softer stuff. Especially because, like, some of the places that I gig at, you know, like, you need to get things started. I can't come out and with three, uh, you know, like, uh, Seven Mary Three, you know. Yeah. Can't open up with Cumbersome when I'm at the homestead. <laughs> so I'll pull out, like, uh, I do Holding Back the Years by Simply Red. Okay. Or um, What You Won't Do for Love by Bobby Caldwell. <laughs> like, just shit that you would not expect me, knowing me, yeah, yeah. to sing. And uh, it's I've been doing a lot of rap. Too, yeah, lately. no, I saw when we were at your because you set oh, yeah. it up at the party. Yeah, yeah, yeah and that's you right. Did, uh, that's insane right. in the brain, man. I do, uh, I do. Uh, I got five on it by Lunas. <laughs> okay. Oh my god, it gets it always gets the place hopping, man. It's just <laughs> it's one of those like it's one of those big things that just like it builds the crowd up. They're like, hey, what is this? And then I come out and I absolutely slay it, <laughs> and they're like, ah, awesome. And then you know, next thing you know, there's. 10 drunk people who want to come sing a rap song. Great. Awesome. Sign up. Let's go. You know, <laughs> and just like that, you create, you create a vibe. Yeah. yeah. And like, that's, that's really all the, the karaoke and the DJ and thing. Like I did, I did two parties in a row this weekend. It's all about creating a vibe and keeping people happy. It's not as cool as playing my own music on stage, but it, it, uh, you know, it, it scratches the itch. I've never, you know, I've never done like karaoke until I was at your house. Like the closest it's, thing was like so playing, playing rock band, playing guitar here. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I, I, I think I sing all right. You know. Oh, I think so too. <laughs> I, I, you know what, my, my whole thing, and I, and I tell this to 
guests at places that I'm hosting at. Like, I don't care if you're awesome or if you suck. Are you having fun? Are you laughing with your friends? Are you going to remember this a week from now when you're like, man, remember that time we went to the bar and we did karaoke? It was so terrible. We had so much fun. That's what's important. It's not getting up here and sounding like you belong on American Idol. Yeah. You know? I don't know. That's just how I feel about it. Like, it's no judgment zone. Come up here, sing whatever the hell you want to. You know, I don't care whether it's something I like or not. It's not about me. I'm there for you. Yeah. <laughs> I still, real quick, and then we'll yeah. wrap. I still remember back in back in high school, you know, after we had met, me and Anthony were trying to put a band together and, like, almost had you as our drummer. Uh, yes, <laughs> I remember that. Dude, I would have been in for that. Definitely would have been in for it. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, that whole thing wound up not being a thing, but but that's okay. You had options. Yeah. You know, I I just I'm so glad that I had the opportunity to get back to playing because it really got back. It really brought me kind of back to center yeah. and to be able to like bookend it with getting my kit back. Yeah. And now it's everything that I've always wanted. Like, I don't need to ever buy another drum set. Yeah. I'll buy a ton more cymbals, but like. There's not something that I can buy that I'm going to want more than what I've got. Yeah, yeah. Literally four feet from my bed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, I want to thank you for, for coming out today. I always love catching up with you. Thanks, man. This and, is really uh, great. Know. I'm sorry we couldn't do this longer, but, you know, parent-teacher conferences. That's all right. You can always Got to do the grown-up stuff. Yeah. I would I would love to. I mean, I, I know, think Charlie, we, who was on the show last, he was, I think it was his fourth time on the show. Oh, so. that's awesome. <laughs> I, would, I would definitely love to. And thank you so much for giving me the opportunity. Hell yeah, man.
And from the album And Justice for All, that was Metallica with One. And I know that's confusing, because Andy was not ever in Metallica, but let me explain. Because none of the bands that Andy was in have music available online, instead of using music that he performed, as we normally do on the show, uh, he asked that we include music that inspired him and inspired his playing and so one for metallica was one of those songs now initially andy had asked to include archetype by fear factory and i recorded the rest of this outro uh, with that song in mind and then found after recording all of this that it's not actually on spotify to include in the show so we had to circle back and include one but i'm going to leave in the anecdotes about fear factory and the rest of it that comes after this fun fact when i was seeing fear factory earlier this year with their new singer they played that song and i was texting andy on uh, during the show and i was like fucking and i posted on facebook too i was like fear factory just played archetype now for for those of you that don't understand that song was written during a time that Dino Cazares was not in Fear Factory. And it was basically about how, like, part of the song, at least, was about how the band is better without him. And now he's the only original member in the band. And before they played this song, he's like, all right, now we're going to play a song that I swore I'd never play. And then they played it, and they did a great job. It was just weird. It was weird for, for that to take place, but it's cool that they're still playing it. Their new singer, Milo, is fucking great. He was a nice dude. I got to meet him at that show. Uh, so definitely uh, check those guys out if uh, you are so inclined to do so. Uh, now, if you want to follow Andy online, uh, you can follow Andy on Instagram at TamaPlayer619. You can also find Andy on YouTube. His uh, YouTube handle is AndrewCalipedis7128. If you go onto Andy's YouTube, you can see a uh, bunch of uh, drum cover videos, uh, playthrough videos. Uh, there's actually a video I was just watching, because I saw it on there, of him uh, doing one of the quarter-inch fuse songs. and uh, Or, like, the drum parts. The rest of the song isn't there. They're all drum videos. But uh, definitely go and check that out as well. Don't forget, you can also follow J Bunny's Music Hub on Facebook, Twitter, uh, oh no, it's not Twitter anymore. X. I'm, I'm never going to get used to that. Facebook, X, Instagram. Just look up J Bunny's Music Hub. We still have a Patreon that uh, exists. Uh, so if you're so in, uh, so inclined to take a look at that, please do so. Don't forget also, if you support music in the way that I do by buying it, you can follow Industry Embers on Facebook or X. And make sure to uh, tweet or post any physical music purchases you make with the hashtag buymusic, B-U-Y, or it's buymusic, B-Y-E. I guess not physical. I guess the whole point is just buy the music. So even if you buy a download, that counts too. Anyway, do that. And then as for what is next for the show, as you've seen, it's been a bit slower this year when it comes to episodes that has to do with a combination of me being busy as fuck and working a lot, as I mentioned in the episode with Andy, just like being a busy adult that has less time to do fun things. And then the other sort of challenge is that there's a bunch of, not a bunch, but like there's, there's a few higher profile people that are like in line to be on the show. And it's just a matter of trying to find time to schedule with those people. I was off from work a couple weeks ago and reached out to one of them and our just, our, our timing didn't line up, but you know, there are still people that are wanting to be on the show that we just have to find time to schedule. And I've got to find time in my life to uh, <laughs> make time as well. 
so I'm hoping to be able to get more done and, and going into 2024 as well. Have, you know, we're in October of 2023, and this is only the uh, fourth or fifth episode of the year. So hopefully we can do better moving forward. But I appreciate you sticking around. And I think that that is all that I've got for you guys today. Now, the other, again, for Andy, we're, we're playing music that inspired him, not music that he played on. So we're going to leave you guys today with the song Becoming by Pantera. And uh, until next time, guys. <laughs>